Lord, I thank you for your presence today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe on each heart and you would make them alive unto divine purpose. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would unlock the mystery, that you would help us to see clearly, Lord, that you would bring deliverance where it's necessary, and uh, God, that you would enlighten and help our hearts, Lord, to embrace, to engage the liberty of life in the Spirit and uh, to no longer be subject, God, to yokes of slavery that the world tries to put us under. God, I thank you for that. And I bless our time today. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would do a deep work in Jesus' mighty name. If you agree to that, you said, amen. Amen. Uh, we used to have a shag carpet. It was one of those like seven by nine slices of carpet you put in the center of a living room. Okay, so it wasn't like the whole thing. And uh, giant brown shag carpet in between our couches. And I loved that thing. It was, you could bury your feet in it. Okay, but the problem with having a shag carpet like that with kids is that food also just disappears. It's great. You don't ever have to vacuum again. You know, you can eat a whole package of like Ritz crackers, crumple them all up, and they just go away if you just move the carpet right, you know? Shoom, just straight to the bottom. But that carpet was awesome for something called static electricity. And as a dad, come on, you got a glory in that. You just run your feet across it and suddenly you have power in your hands. One roll across the carpet and reaching up and touching the little toe on somebody, that's awesome. Powerful exchange, the, the generation of energy, the, the power that was in the hand and then, then reaching out and the impact of that release that happens when you touch another person, that thing, when I looked at it, you look at it real close, it's a lightning bolt in your hand. You know what happens when you touch someone's earlobe with that? That's awesome. <laughs> that release of energy, that dynamic exchange, is not just found in static electricity, right? It's found in connection. It's found as a life is filled with life and impact dwells within you, and then you reach out and you touch someone else. It's a natural demonstration of the power of your life. That your life contains and carries something. There is a hidden glory within your earthen vessel. The scripture says that the Lord takes his glory and he hides it in earthen vessels. You and me. We're like, we're broken pots. You're a crack pot. There you go. God pours his glory in. It leaks out, right? You're, the life of heaven pours in. There's something hidden within you. That only is revealed when you touch somebody else. It's true. It's real. I, I read this passage in communion. I just want to touch it again real quick because it's so worth it. Listen, today I want to talk to you about the impact of your life as it bounces off of somebody else's. That there is a hidden glory that's waiting to be discovered. That the impact of your life, your calling, your purpose won't be discovered until it starts to touch other people. 
And that something happens when we come together that cannot be achieved on your own. It's all truth. And uh, my hope today is that this will challenge the socks off of you. Because it wouldn't be a house church service if it didn't. That at least half of you would be deeply offended at me. Okay? And that I get at least 10 emails from people that aren't coming back. It'll be awesome. Okay? <laughs> this is my goal for today's sermon. No, I am praying that there would be sufficient grace to receive, to hear, to be challenged, yes, but challenged unto liberty. This is John 17, verse 22. Jesus speaking. He's praying. The glory which you, the you there is the Father. The glory which the Father has given to me, I have given to them. The them is the disciples. Jesus received glory from his Father. And before he goes, he gave that glory to his disciples. That should be enough right there to challenge and to frustrate the, the deepest of apologetics in the room because we're so convinced that we're so broken that we can't display God. But the invitation is the opposite. The invitation is this, that Jesus in his divine mercy has taken away the sinful nature so that you can display what God put in you. That when Jesus departed, before he did so, he broke his body and he gave it to his disciples. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to his prayer. The glory which you've given to me, I gave to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they might be perfected. Everyone say perfected. perfected. In unity. Okay, that word perfected doesn't mean that you are perfect. That word perfection is the, per it's the picture of a puzzle that's in pieces and it comes together and makes the whole. You take the pieces and you bring them together and suddenly the whole appears. <laughs> this is so fun. I in them, you in me, that they might be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them. Talk about a world that needs to know that the Father loves them. That the Father's not rejecting them for their brokenness. <laughs> that we would be perfected when we come back together. Here's the picture. You got two parts. You bring them together and it makes a whole. Individually, yes, that they have something to offer. Of course they do. There's glory in your hidden vessel, in your earthen vessel. There's glory there. God touched you. He put something in you. His grace in you wants to demonstrate itself. How does it come out? It comes out when you come back together. Each time we come together, we do this. We remember that Jesus took and broke it into pieces, and it's in the body. And when we come back together, there is a power that's released, and that lives get transformed and healed. Jesus imparted something. He hides it in earthen vessels, and then he leaves it for us to discover as we serve one another. I, um, I've been a part of, uh, you know, churches that have practiced best practices in business. You ever been in a professional church? <laughs> we're trying, but we're pretenders. We're not. 
<laughs> professional church. We're just a bunch of hacks who just love Jesus and get together every week. It's great. I, hey, we're doing the best that we can. That ain't, you know, it's not because of lack of effort. But when, we, when, you, when you intentionally build according to the pattern of the world, there's a problem there. Because Jesus came as a revolutionary to upset the apple cart, not to reinstate it with godly garments. Okay, now you're going to have to hear me out. It's going to be difficult just for a little bit, though. And then by the time we're done, you're going to go, man, that's pretty stinking awesome. Okay, you ready? Okay. (laughs) I can see. I wish I could just show you a picture of your face. We need a crowd cam is what we need. (laughs) Zoom in, you know. We'll have like a box for confounded or frustrated or angry. It'll be awesome, you know. It'll be a little frame thing. (laughs) Zoom in on you. Wouldn't that be great? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry. Oh. Ephesians chapter four outlines what much of the modern church has built according to. Okay, Ephesians four outlines the principle that there are a few who have been given a grace and then their job is to train and teach or equip everybody else to become. Nothing wrong with that idea in its simplicity, but when you form it out, when you take that idea as a foundational idea and you turn it into an organization, you end up with a pyramid. People that have at the top and people that do not have at the bottom. People that have vision, and so all the rest of us are to serve vision. This is the way the world works. You, you have a job that functions like this. You have a boss. They're asking you to execute something. And the job is about performance. It's about achievement. It's about accomplishing something. The pyramid effect has people at the top who know and people at the bottom who don't. Peasants and serfs at the bottom, kings at the top. In the old Roman world, it's an emperor at the top and your congress, if you will, And then you have the people, the subjects of the empire. This is the world that Jesus shows up in. Jesus shows up in empire. Jesus shows up in Israel where the system has been built around a religious order. And the priest knows and the common person doesn't. And so we need the priests because the common person doesn't. No. The temple worship system, the whole thing, leaves people in want without understanding. It's not meant to be that way because it was always meant to be taught within families, but that's not what it became. The world Jesus comes into is a world where Israel has subjected themselves to Rome, to empire, where the priests are functioning under empire. And Jesus shows up and goes, hey, we're going to do something different. Because the kingdom of heaven does not behave like you are living in right now. This is not how heaven functions. If you're a disciple of a Pharisee or a priest that is in charge, then you're somebody. You got moved up the ranks. You, and this is how the world behaves. We're looking for our next ladder up. We're always looking for what's next. How do I become a little more? 
How do I improve a little more? How do I get a leg up in the world? What? Because it's based on achievement. It's based on knowledge. It's based on execution. To be somebody is to be somebody that possesses something while someone else does not. That is not heaven. And Jesus shows up in that world, and instead of picking the capable ones who he would promote, he says to them, in a world of empire where the emperor has proclaimed himself God, and that everywhere they go, they must make subjects of the world. And so they conquer by conquest. And then they send in a general, a Roman general, to follow after their conquest. A Roman general called an apostle. And an apostle would teach the conquered people how to behave according to the customs and the rules of Rome. So that if ever the emperor visited their land, the people would do as in Rome, just like the Romans. Jesus shows up on the scene. Think about this, y'all, okay? Jesus shows up on the scene, and he chooses fishermen, tax collectors, a teenager, nobodies. And what's he say to them? You're my apostles. Jesus took the pyramid and he flipped it on its head. The world said they have nothing to offer. According to the world, he was right. These are nobodies. And yet Jesus says to them, you're my apostles. Now, I want to pause for a moment because this is where modern religion has camped out and we have a problem here, Houston, and we're really needing to address it. Okay? Because the modern worship structure has the apostle on top. It has the, what I'm about to read in Ephesians 4 here, Ephesians 4.11. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints to the work of the service. Okay, that, if you stop there and you think, oh, well, then that makes sense. We have people on top who have something, and their job is to make sure everybody else gets it. The problem is that when Jesus showed up and he said, hey, these are my apostles, he was taking the thought process of the Roman world of the way that the perversion had entered into the Jewish world, and he flips it on his head. He's empowering people that don't know anything. He's giving them the title of enculturating the world, but they have no natural, they don't have the skills. <laughs> What's he after? What's he after? See, I don't think, in fact, I think it's quite opposite. I don't believe that Jesus was raising up apostles who would carry something special and that we should build a pyramid around that special thing with people who know the top and people who don't at the bottom. I don't think he's trying to instate empire into kingdom. I think he's actually undoing the whole thing. So when we think 
Well, God gave apostles, and their job is to see from heaven's perspective and make us all understand. No, 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 no. He's undoing the whole thing. He says to the disciples, the glory that the Father has given me, I'm giving it to you. Nobody's. You don't know nothing. But your connection with one another and your connection with me is going to change and transform this world. Not for the world to start serving you. We're not building a church with a top-down mentality. I'm sorry, y'all. That is, that's the, that is the God of this age. The disempowerment of people and their godly identity is because the some have it and the rest don't. Jesus is doing the opposite. He's saying to every person, every single person, from the prostitute to the government official, you have something to offer. He's raising people up out of. And he's not instating another version of empire. He's throwing the empire off. He's saying the kingdom of this world are not like God's kingdom. Are you alive today? Okay, we're going to get into some stuff. Here we go. Ephesians 4.11, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to unity in the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure and stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. This passage, let me read it back to you with different language. You ready? Jesus gave gifts of grace to prepare people for the maturing process life takes them through. For the journey which takes you from where you are right now all the way to the fullness of his anointing. This is done through the work of each person serving one another. All of us will be united in our complete and mature knowledge of the Son of God as we manifest his fullness. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, the whole point is that God would give grace to the body for it to mature. Not know how to do ministry, but that you would know how to face life, to demonstrate Jesus, to maturity, Look at verse 12 again. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. I love this. That word equipping, it's not like teach. That's not the word. It's prepare. You would be prepared for the work that life requires you as you serve one another until we step into fullness. That you are started someplace and that the God stuff inside of you and the God stuff inside of somebody else, that those things need to come together. And that when they come together, there's a powerful release. But that powerful release, woo! Has anybody ever been repelled by a nice personality? <laughs> has anybody ever had a relationship? You bumped into somebody, you're like, wow, I want nothing to do with that person. <laughs> We're kind of joking around in first service about this. You know, the miracle is not that I would teach you how to prophesy, Okay? Function in the body, a prophet, that's the function. 
just a grace, but the gift is not to teach you how to prophesy. That's, man, that is old thinking. The grace is to help you see from heaven's perspective so you live your life wise. Okay, the grace challenges and helps you to see differently. The miracle would not be that I somehow teach you all how to prophesy today. In fact, that would be easy. Give me five minutes. I can activate this whole crowd in how to prophesy to one another. That takes, that's nothing. It's really easy. The miracle would be if I could somehow impart something to you and all of you get along. Because Jesus' prayer was not that people would know how to do ministry. Jesus' prayer was, would be that when the glory comes into each one, they'll serve themselves instead of each other. That the power inside of you is somebody. You are a somebody. But the grace required to lay down your right to be somebody to help someone else succeed. That would take God now, wouldn't it? Especially in an American crowd. Yowza. Look at the happy results of what happens when this takes place. This is verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow up in all aspects into him, the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to their proper working of the individual part, and it causes growth to the body in the building up of itself in love. Makes a lot more sense suddenly, doesn't it? Here's the happy results. You ready? Modern language. You will stop being simple-minded. <laughs> simple-minded doesn't mean stupid. It means ignorant. It means you'll believe anything. See, if you come to church here every week, you're going to be challenged over and over and over, and you'll stop being duped by every wind that's out there from the four corners of the world, you, you'll stop. You just will because this is what the body does. You, you will, look at this. I love this one. Teachings and practices of the world are coming from every direction. They will stop having influence over you. You will become firm in conviction. This is this passage. Listen, I literally just took this passage, looked at the root words, and drew them out of definition so that they're not coded by the, the word. You just understand what it's saying. This is a transliteration of what we just read. Okay, you ready? Here you go. You will become firm in conviction and you'll cease to be easily agitated and manipulated by street gamblers of this world promising a quick gain. You won't be duped by the subtle deceptions of schemers looking to take advantage of your ignorance. That's what that passage means. You'll stop trying to live your life according to the world. Jesus didn't come to build a better system, a more high-performing organization than Rome. He didn't come to do that. He came to tip the whole thing on its head, to give people liberty, to set them free from that stuff. That you would no longer be subject to those yokes. Jesus came you got to see this. Look at history. Jesus came 
They gave, he imparted to his disciples. He called them into unity, and they started living a life that was so different than the world around them. The world around them was built by an empire, and they just refused to play. This is what Christians did. They refused to play by the rules of society. They just stopped. They weren't trying to control Rome. They didn't try to overthrow Caesar. They just checked out and started to live to bring glory out of each other, serving one another, loving one another. They're free. And let me tell you, the world cannot handle free people. It has no interest in free people. Jesus isn't building a better Rome. When Christians showed up, the Roman emperor started to burn them on stakes to light his competitions. The persecution was crazy. The persecution wasn't because they were trying to overthrow. The persecution was because they refused to play by the game. They were living by a completely different set of rules, y'all. Love is what they were living by. They were serving one another. They were serving one another, and they were working to see each other be, to demonstrate what God put in them, helping them to succeed. First century, Rome's burning them. 300 years in, Rome realizes it cannot resist this culture, and so what does the devil do? He marries it. Hear me well. The mixture of sincere religious belief and politics was the destruction of the church. Please don't repeat history. Let's stop playing that game altogether. The glory which you have given me, John 17, I have given to them, that they might be one, just as we are one, I and them, you and me, that, the, that they might become perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them. Isn't that kind of the point? Jesus be revealed and people get connected to their father? It's not to accomplish something, it's to be. For three weeks, we've been talking about the vision of this church. This church isn't setting out to accomplish something. It's not who we are. No, we're a garden. There's a foundation we're laying so that your life will be free to grow something that actually matters. Your life will demonstrate God's goodness. That your life will begin to be experiencing power as you bounce your life off of one another. You'll be connected to one another, and the glory that's in your earthen vessel suddenly gets demonstrated as you impact another life. You're calling gold out of each other, and whoo, this thing, something emerges. It's so wonderful and powerful. We get transformed. We start to demonstrate Jesus. The world is not looking for another imperial state. It has zero interest in it. You won't make the news. A better organization that accomplishes more, the world has got better ones. What will catch the news is a community that is serving one another completely and wholeheartedly, loving each other, helping each other to succeed. Oh my, sounds like a life that the American dream cannot achieve. One last passage, this is Genesis 4. (laughs) 
Did I offend you already? Did I do it? That was the goal, ready? Half of you at least. Genesis 4, verse 1. This is right after the fall. Adam and Eve have exited the garden. The man had relations with his wife. She conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. And she gave birth to his brother, Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord out of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of a flock and the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Abel tended sheep, and we know with hindsight how prophetic that is. Jesus would be the Lamb of God, slain before the foundations of the world to take away the sins of the world. And here Abel is raising sheep, and he gives the Lord a lamb. How prophetic. God has regard for it. Abel recognizes that the blood offering somehow is significant to the Father. Cain, however, tills the ground. And the scripture says very clearly that from the sweat of your brow, that's the only way that the ground is going to yield fruit from now on. In other words, it's all of Cain's efforts. It's the best that Cain can do. Cain goes and he tills the ground and he does the best that he can do and he produces something and he brings it to God. And God has no regard for Cain's best efforts. Isn't that offensive? It's totally offensive. Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, corrupted their will, their choice. Sin literally is defined as going your own way. Cain has gone his own way. And he's producing everything that's best out of his life. And he brings it to God and God has no regard for it. Because the best out of your life, your earthly efforts are not what please God. It's not the game. See, the world tries to play this game. Produce something so you have value. God is saying, you're valuable. On your own. You don't have to do anything for me. This is not a church preaching. Hey, we got to go accomplish something so God's pleased with us. My friends, that's lies. That's not why God's pleased with you. He loves you. Like fully and completely. This is not the issue. Look at what happens to Cain. The Lord comes to Cain. Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fall? That phrase, countenance fall, it's in the blessing of the Lord. We do it every week here, that the Lord's countenance be towards you. It's your face. Why is your face turning from me to your own stuff? Wow. Why, why are you not looking at me right now, Cain? What's happened in your disposition that you, are, you have stopped following me? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, Will not your countenance be lifted up? 
And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. This is the will. You must choose not, when sin comes in, not to turn away from God, but instead to turn towards him. You must master it. Now look, this is the place that we're, there's two phrases here that matter so much for today. Cain stepped away from conversation with God and he went and told his brother Abel. Look at this. Cain told Abel, his brother. Confession. Confession. The connection with Abel should be bringing mercy and restoring. But for some reason it doesn't. Now, I don't know why, but something happens in us when we talk about our weaknesses. If a person doesn't show mercy, what rises up in us is a judgment and an anger, and we have to blame. I got to make this feel okay somehow, and so I'm going to blame you. The next phrase is, Cain killed his brother Abel. God comes and he says, what have you done? Where is Abel, your brother? Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. That phrase, the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, Pictorially, this verse could be restated something like this. The absence of your brother's voice in history is deafening to me. The absence of the impact of your brother's life is deafening to me. God lives above time when Abel's life is destroyed by sin. Suddenly his voice is silenced from all of the future impact that it would have made. Abel, someone who saw the need for a blood sacrifice from the beginning, what do you think would have happened in history if we had that from the beginning? How much corruption needed to come into the world before we figured it out? I don't know, y'all. But Abel's blood is speaking and saying the impact is gone. The father saw it and he calls Cain on it. Do you realize what you've done? Do you realize the impact that someone not doing who they are called to be, not being, the, the absence of the authenticity of God's glory in you giving voice. That when you intentionally stop engaging people and you pull back to focus on yourself. When you stop using the gifts of God in you to help raise other people up, but instead you start focusing on your own appetites. What can I get out of this? What kind of glory can I produce for my own life? 
When you do that, it's like the Cain and Abel thing. You've got to recognize this. You are called to bring impact with your life and give voice to something that God put in you. And when we choose to not give voice to it, or worse, we use our sin to silence others. Our sin, someone else is walking righteously, and instead of connection where our faces, our countenance turns towards each other so we have fellowship, when sin comes up in a heart, we pull away and we go our own way. How many times over in churches across the world has somebody gotten upset and offended instead of turning towards somebody in relationship to restore the relationship, we blame and we end their influence in our lives the same way Cain ended Abel's influence in his life. Maybe not violently, but there's a reason you're in my church and not the last one you just came from. Why? Why are you here? I'm glad that you're here. Let this be the last one we run from, though. Let's connect. Let's invest in people. When there's trouble, when there's injury, when you sin and you mess up, instead of letting your countenance fall and then letting distance come between people, turn your face back towards the Lord. Be restored. It's the reason Jesus came, to remove that out of the way. Quit believing the lie. We're not building something according to the world, my friends. You are a part of something that's eternal. It's a garden. It's a garden where God's presence is fueling people and displaying life. You're called to be a tree, an oak tree. You're not called to be a pyramid builder. You're called to bear fruit in your life, not called to dominate other people in competition. Man, if you're going to make money and sell, awesome, do that. Do it under the glory of the Lord and use your power, your gift, to serve other people and draw people up. Don't use it for selfishness. You're not trying to gain more so that you can inflict your power on people. That's a worthless pursuit. Instead, you should be choosing, like Ephesians 4 said, to become mature and lay down your rights to serve one another so that we all in unity can come up together. Do you see it? Believe it or not, small groups are probably the easiest ways for you to demonstrate that right now. It's so simple. You need to meet people. You need people. Say this with me. I need people. people. Now, you said that like a bunch of people who were just told to say that. Okay? (laughs) This time, I want you to authentically admit to yourself. Do the best that you can. Like, say it to you. Like, it's an honest declaration. Because Jesus broke the bread and he gave it to one another so that when we come together, his stripes would heal us, that the relationships, the joints would produce maturity in the body, that we could display his goodness. I know this ain't an easy word, but it's real. It's the right one. There's a community of people that are going to be out in that foyer here, two minutes, who are hosting groups Now, are you called to eternally belong to a skateboard group? (laughs) 
Is this the high calling of God on your life? It might be for some of you. I don't know. Okay, that's not the point. The point is what happens in the relational context as you guys, you need an excuse to come together. This is what that is. But maturity comes as we relate. So find something you're interested in. Listen, there's a, there's a, a trip to Israel. Anybody interested in doing that? Hey, I wonder how many people you're going to meet and connect with and whatever. There's a, in that, uh, my dad's leading an archi- uh, 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 a group on um, uh, archaeological. I could only think of architect. Archaeological <laughs> just wouldn't come out of my brain. There, there are so many aspects and opportunities to connect with people when we keep the Lord at the center of it, the glory in you, like a static discharge, you're going to be amazed that your life suddenly comes alive with purpose. Not aspiration, but serving one another. Be alive to jump to your feet today. There you go. There's the golf clap. That's what I was looking for. If you've messed up and you're tempted to run away from the church or from God, please don't blame him or us. The answer is not by building your own society like Cain did. Okay? The answer is to turn your countenance back towards the Lord and be healed, restored. We love you. I really honestly want to see you succeed in life. I want to see you do good. Your families thrive. Your marriages thrive. God has got such wonderful, like his, his wonder towards you, his goodness towards you is real, it's authentic, and I want you to experience it. His countenance towards you. But you just put a hand on your own heart today. I just want you to receive this morning. I want to pray for you, and then I'll release us. Lord, you love us so much. Holy Father, I am asking that you would reveal, unlock the mystery of the administration of grace for all time, that you are connecting people to reveal your glory. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us eyes to see one another, not after our failures and brokenness, Lord, but after what you put in us. Lord, I pray that you would help us, enable us, cause divine connection today as we interact and fill us, Lord, with appreciation and hearts full of love towards one another. God, I bless it. I bless the connectedness of this body that we would display that Jesus is Lord. Lord, give freedom and liberty to people. Help them to not come back under those things that enslave Lord, empower this body. That the world really truly might know, Father, how much you love them. That Jesus would be revealed. Father, I thank you and I bless your people today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's countenance be towards you. May the Lord be gracious to you and guard your hearts and minds in his peace bless you today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who dared to agree with that said, come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord?